Hello, and welcome to the Natural Evolution Podcast, produced by Rebel Health Tribe. I'm Michael, and I'll be your host. Together, we will be hearing inspiring stories of healing and transformation, learning from some of the brightest minds in the world of functional medicine and holistic wellness, and exploring the world's best health-related products, services, tools, and resources. We are live. Uh, I am here today. This is going to be really fun. I'm excited. We just talked for a half hour before we even uh, came on the air. I am joined by Dr. Eric Gordon. Dr. Gordon, thanks for being here today. A pleasure. Thank you for having me, Michael. Yeah, and uh, it's fun. Dr. Gordon is actually our doctor. He's the one that we've worked with uh, with Mira and her autoimmune, multiple autoimmune and who knows what else conditions over the last couple of years. So it's, um, it's really, really fun to have you here. And we'll, we, maybe we'll talk about that, maybe we won't, but um, it's fun to connect and talk in a way that's not around something awful that's going on. So uh, much better to connect this way than, than when, when she was in a flare. So for those who don't know, uh, Dr. Gordon is the president of the Gordon Medical Research Center, which is in the San Francisco Bay Area, and the founder and owner of Gordon Medical Associates. Uh, which specializes in complex chronic illness. In addition to clinical practice of over 30 years, Dr. Gordon is engaged in clinical research and has created a series of medical symposia bringing together leading in international medical researchers and cutting edge clinicians focused on chronic fatigue syndrome, Lyme disease, autoimmune diseases, and autism, amongst, among others. In 2016, he was co-author with Dr. Robert Navio on a groundbreaking study, Metabolic Features of Chronic Fatigue Syndrome. And Dr. Gordon is also the medical advisor to Tech Bioscience um, a, and GMRC, which is a collection site for Lyme disease biobank. So Lyme disease, autoimmune disease, autism, chronic fatigue, uh, mold, which uh, we're probably going to talk about in another interview. Um, these are the heavy hitters of chronic disease. Like these are, um, when I was working with health clients about five years ago, when somebody listed at least one of those things on their intake form, I knew I had to go find somebody like yourself uh, to help out because these are, you know, different but similar in the means that they're all very chronic, uh, chronic and complex illness, right? Like you're, we're not, um, we're not talking about simple things here. So I guess we were going to start with um, really just setting the stage of like, what is the difference between chronic disease and chronic illness and acute disease? Uh, and we can kind of go from there. Well, thank you. And I just want to clarify one important thing is, um, you know, I always like to say the, the, the paper um, with Dr. Navio, we supplied the patients, he supplied the brains. Um, okay. you know, it, it's, Important it's, distinction. Yeah, no, no really, really, I, 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 um, I, I have spent my life trying to um, understand biochemistry and Bob has, Dr. Navio, I mean, he, he's just one of those rare individuals who has somehow managed to keep it in his, I mean, he used it, keep it in his brain. And I just go, I'm in awe because I, it's like, ah, uh, it's a beautiful thing. Well, I've read some of his, his work and it's, I mean, the, the, everything with the cell danger response has really changed the entire way that we see chronic disease, at least to me in the last five years with, with that information, which we're going to talk about a lot. Yeah, we're going to go, so we're, we're going to get into 
we're going to go into that yeah. because you know yeah. just because this is the thing is i'm going to tell you what well, i was you know i have been treating i started off in medicine in in 1980 so i started and hospital work and um uh you know and i i had always been interested in what in those days we called alternative medicine but after medical school and residency i kind of like couldn't believe that that stuff could possibly work you know in these really sick people so i just kind of stayed in the hospital world for about 10 10 years and um but was got more and more frustrated with yes we could save people's lives but they didn't do so well after <laughs> you know and that's where i started to realize that yeah you know when they had the pneumonia or the heart attack or the car accident you know it was wow we could do a lot but you know six months later when they still were not back to normal i couldn't do much you know, and that's what got me to like go back to my earlier love of, of working um, in what, what then we called alternative. Now people call integrative and functional and this and that. But anyway, it's just looking in my way of thinking about it. It's just trying to solve a problem, you know, instead of instead of getting the cookbook, because when you're a treating acute medicine, people kind of act the same. You know, when 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 the body is broken immediately, um, a bullet wound, you know, barring, you know, huge differences in body mass is all kind of treated the same. You know, you got this bug, we give you that antibiotic, we might give you a little mm -hmm. more or a little less depending on your size and your kidney function. But still, it's the same thing. Yeah. It's and it's cookbook and it's a really important cookbook. Um, but it falls apart in chronic illness. And that's because in chronic illness, the issue is not um, the trigger as much as it is you, your body's response to the illness, okay? In the first event, it's, you know, um, the bullet is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. But uh, six months later, that's been removed. It's how your body has reorganized itself, how it is healed. And this healing, that's what uh, actually Dr. Not, I mean, I'm not, she's not, I don't think he's the only one who coined the term, but he, he, he liked the term of the black box of healing. You know, it's this, you know, we do all these steps and then we wait for the body to actually heal. And what we have to do in chronic illness is, you know, look at the triggers, they're important, you know, whether it be, you know, infection, uh, toxicity, uh, genetic predisposition, those are the things we all have to look at that. But at the end of the day, we have to really see how your body is dancing, you know, uh, what chemicals you're making that are slightly different than other people's, you know, um, what your symptoms are, and how you respond to small to therapies, you know, and that that's what's frustrating for people who have chronic illness, because most of us still are working with the model that I've got this problem, and you should have the answer. And, the same answer for everybody. With and the same problem. answer for everyone, or yeah. you, know, you come to my clinic, and I've got ABC to do, and better work. And I mean, and that is where I think many people with chronic illness get very frustrated is um, they go to doctors who are just amazing at what they do, but if you don't fit their paradigm, if you don't fit their story, you don't do very well. And then you think that they're bad or, you know, charlatans or that they're all wrong and they're not. It's just that, you know, 
um, you know, if you have mold problems and you go to a doctor who specializes in mold toxicity, well, that's great. But if you have mold problems, um, but your real issue is an infection, it's not going to work so well and vice versa. I mean, that's the big thing, you know, and now we have the mast cell activation world, you know, um, and again, mast cells, a huge problem, but if that's the only thing you treat and you haven't looked to what might be tickling the immune system to cause it, you're not going to get very far, you know, but if mast cell is your big issue and you try to treat somebody's Lyme disease, which may be the underlying trigger, you're not going to get very far either. You know, so anyway, so chronic, so com chronic illness is complex because by the time it gets to become chronic, you've got a few things playing usually, you know, everyone, and it's the body as much as the, you know, the toxin or the stress or the thing it's, it's the body's, you know, on system responding in a way like we, I think a lot of the public first heard about this with COVID because the word cytokine storm became like a, yeah. a news headline overnight when COVID first kicked off and people became aware that the belief was that it wasn't the, the pathogen that was causing a lot of the damage. It was the body's response to the pathogen, an over-response to the pathogen, an uncontrolled response, right? Absolutely. And that is the nature of chronic illness. It's just that it's mm -hmm. usually a slower burn. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's over years versus a few days. A few days, right? Instead of a cytokine yeah. storm, you have a cytokine <laughs> light mist. <laughs> that, that Forever. That doesn't quite. That, that doesn't go away. I mean, that that's the thing. You know, you you live in some areas, you get rainstorms a few months a year, and then it's dry. You know, like if you're in California, yeah. if you're on the East Coast, you get rain. You know, you never know when mm -hmm. it's going to happen. Um, a cytokine mist. That's going to be the name of this episode. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it's, it's death by a thousand cuts and the thousand cuts, like change the way your physiology functions. Like it yeah, yeah. makes and, things and, dysfunctional. And, and it, it's, and, and that's where, you know, um, one of the things I keep invoking, uh, the good Dr. Navio, because, uh, one of the, one of his big points that I have sometimes fought against, um, is that, you know, we have to kind of rebalance the the systematic response you know like because i still find lots of people if we find the toxin or the bug and we actually can get rid of it the body then can reestablish its own um balance point again it, it, the the immune system can go back to being the normal ebb and flow and i think that and, uh -huh. and but um and bob's point is that you know, just like a good naturopath <laughs> is that um, let's reestablish the terrain, you know, let's try to get that, that important day night cycling back to sleep, you know, cause so many people, when they've been ill for a while, they lose their circadian rhythm, you know, and they, yeah. they're, that, that goes. Which is um, then a, a self-perpetuating. Self-perpetuating uh, inflammation. I mean, like when your circadian yeah. rhythm is off, you know, again, some people can compensate. There are people who stay up all night and work all day and do just fine. But most of us, that's a stress. I am not one of those people. No, no, I, me either. I wish I was. I, I've always wanted to be the five-hour-a-night person, but unfortunately not. Yeah, the I sleep when I'm dead person is going to be dead a lot sooner than I am. So yeah. <laughs> uh, probably. But so the... Yeah, but, you know, but, but we... I mentioned inflammation... Uh, and I mentioned cytokine storm, which is inflammation. Uh, it's the, you know, 
people are familiar with inflammation it's the red skin it's the swelling it's the heat it's the, this and that's usually if it's that visible red skin swelling heat you have some sort of acute situation but this happens chronically in chronic disease cases right this chronic inflammation yes well think of it i mean covid is a great example I mean, COVID's perfect in a way to 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 because this is something people are really aware of. Is we mm-hmm. have you know long COVID and the vaccine re- reactions, okay, mm-hmm. which are both you know perfect examples of the cell danger response run amok. <laughs> okay, so let, let me t- sort of tie this together with with one story. Um, is as you said, is that, that that first sign of infection that people know about is you know redness, uh, pain, uh, swelling, and we say loss of function. Um, that um, is, is like the first the body's first response to injury, and that's when neutrophils, the the most primitive part, not the most primitive part, but actually, um, well, one of the 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 first step, and we call the innate immune system, comes mm-hmm. in. These are white blood cells that come in and like, you know, quickly uh, at the first yeah. sign of injury. Um, and kind of indiscriminately, like they're yeah. not very intelligent. Like it's, well, well yeah, they, they, they yeah. Like the antibody system. Yeah. They're, they're before, yeah. They're, they come in like day one. And one of the things that, that in long COVID, not in long COVID, but in, the, in that, that when people get really sick with COVID, when the cytokine storm happens, yeah is that we find that normally after you've been sick for, you know, five, six, seven, because usually this happens at day seven to 10 in COVID, um, most infections by that time, the neutrophils are fairly, have gotten lower, okay? The neutrophils spike the first day, two, three days, uh-huh. they start to go down and you start seeing more lymphocytes. Well, when you, you, one of the ways to tell that people are really sick with COVID is that day seven, their neutrophils are still high relative to their lymphocytes. So the body hasn't shifted from that innate That first response. step, right. The, to, yeah, the, the acquired, yeah. We, we call it the acquired immune system is the lymphocytes, the T cells and B cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tend to come in and, and at the same time, they're more adept at just targeting um, a cell that has, um, that, that is displaying a, a, um, a, a protein that says mm-hmm. danger, I'm sick, yeah, yeah. you know, the neutrophil will often chew up things around it too, and just create a lot of inflammation. Um, the, the lymphocytes, the uh, T cells and B cells tend to be a little bit more um, discriminating in, in who, in what they attack and how they attack. Less collateral, uh, less collateral less damage. Collateral damage. Yeah. Yeah. They, they require a lot more f- um, feedback from the cell before they kill it. You know, they, they, they require two or three signals to go. This okay. is, this is a sick cell. The neutrophils don't ask questions. Not as, not as many. No, they, they respond to pattern recognition. The, the innate immune system, that first step, um, will respond. It's a more or less like, uh, going after, uh, everything that looks like a dog. You know, uh-huh. uh, while the innate, the, the acquired immune system knows it only wants to go after, uh, let's say, German shepherds. It's going to leave the poodles alone. Okay, okay. Uh, gotcha. it's, that, it, it's that simple on some levels, and um, that's why it's so dangerous 
when that innate immune system stays upregulated. But that's the cytokine storm. That's what can kill you quickly, okay? That's still not chronic disease. Chronic disease is usually when that the dysfunction is in the um, acquired immune system, the T and B cells are not working as well. I mean, the innate immune system is still activated sometimes because those T and B cells, um, many of the T cells are T regulatory cells that will tamp things down, that will let the body know, okay, it's time to relax. You know, as we spoke in the beginning, um, when we went on air, the simplest thing, a way of thinking about the immune system is that it's good for the immune system to get angry, but it should stay angry very shortly. Just like a, a person, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's fine to get yeah. angry in the moment. Somebody as soon as the thing that made it angry is gone, it should, needs to be able to calm down. It needs to calm down and resolve yeah. and like reestablish and reestablish communication. Okay. Mm -hmm. And relationship. So if you stay angry, it makes for a difficult life for you and yeah. all around you. And it's the same thing in the immune system. I mean, basically, if you would, I mean, psychological concepts apply to the immune system perfectly. I mean, you know, the, they, they really do. I mean, there's no difference. Um, you know, the neurotic, I, I used to, one of my terms for some people who are so inclined to think psychologically about things is I call it the neurotic tendency of the body. You know, um, if you get stuck in a habit pattern of response, you then develop a chronic disease, you know, whatever that habit pattern is. And I'm not talking about just psychologically, just your immune system begins to stay stuck. Um, so there's some main like culprits for causing it to do that. Like, uh, I mean, there, you mentioned infections. There are certain types of infections that can. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, any, affect any, this. when, you know, I mean, the thing about infections is that sometimes they, they can be persistent and sometimes they can just leave traces behind that keep the immune system going. Okay. So uh, interesting examples of course, Lyme, Bartonella, Babesia, you know, are, are big three that we think about a lot as chronic infections. And then, the, and of course, the, um, the DNA viruses, uh, Epstein-Barr, HH6, cytomegalovirus, um, those are the big players um, that, you know, people have often related to kind of maybe having something to do with chronic fatigue. Uh, and they're probably in about a third of people they do um, because, they, but all of these, um, there's confusing states, okay, is that in sometimes the bug is still there actively reproducing. You know, we see that a lot in Lyme where people can be yeah. sick for years, but if we actually are able to kill the Lyme, a lot of symptoms resolve, you know, um, and maybe a third of people with Epstein-Barr, um, you know, um, if you actually keep them on antivirals at high doses for two or three years, about a third of people resolve. Now that's a big commitment, so we don't do that often, but um, this fellow, Dr. Lerner, uh, who has since passed away, did that a lot in the early late 90, yeah, early 2000s. And he had really good data, but it's only about a third. But what we see, I think even more so, is that parts of the bug remain. And COVID was a, is, a, is, a, is a great example. There's a fellow, Dr. Bruce Patterson, um, who is doing both research and helping us treat people with quote unquote long COVID and vaccine reactions. And he's demonstrating 
that a piece of the spike protein, the S1 component of the spike protein, for those of you who really keeping up with spike proteins. I've never seen laypersons nerd out on biochemistry as much as I have in the last two years. So you've got you've got non-medical and science professionals out there that are very well versed now on the term spike protein and probably even on S1, which yes. if you had told me that a few years ago that that would become a thing, I wouldn't have been able to guess what would cause that. Pandemic wouldn't have been at the top of my list, but Yes, oh. I think you're speaking a language people understand. Yeah, please. Um, I mean, I, I too, I'd be like, I, I never listened to podcasts before COVID. And now I become addicted because that's, I mean, like, I just, there's just so much information out there that, and there's no other way to get it, you know, yeah. as quickly and, 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 and depending on who I listen to, I can like see their bias points. But anyway, um, but they all have good information. You just have to know where they're coming from. But so getting here, Dr. Patterson, has, um, he's somebody who was doing research years ago um, with dengue, because dengue, people know, I mean, a very common infection in, in Central America, South America, um, uh, is, uh, has a persistent form, a chronic form, but they've never been able to find the bug left. You know, it's not reproducing anymore. And he found that pieces of it were stuck in monocytes. Monocytes are uh, part of the part of the um, really the innate the innate immune system, um, but the, the first kind of, one, yeah. The, the monocyte is also called a macrophage when it's in your tissue. When it's floating around in the bloodstream, it's a monocyte, and once it slips into the tissue, it becomes a macrophage. Just to because that always confused me. <laughs> anyway, um, so anyway, but this one subset of monocytes called atypical and that's just their name, um, can actually eat the spike, the spike, the S1 protein, because the S1 part of the spike gets released when the virus gets in, goes into the cell. Um, and that S1 piece, when some monocytes um, take it up, they're not able to destroy it. You know, most of us, they can, but in some people, they just can't. And so that protein sits in there and it causes the spike, it causes the monocyte to um, stay in an inflammatory state. And when that monocyte then binds to a blood vessel, because it floats around the blood vessels, it mm -hmm. creates local inflammation. And because this is an aberrant situation, normally the monocyte would basically die. Most of your white blood cells, except some of your uh, B, T and B cells don't live long. I mean, they live days usually mm -hmm. and they constant turnover. Um, but these atypical monocytes, once they have a spike protein, can be persistent and they can trigger persistent inflammation. COVID is gone. Okay. There's for the vet, there are. It's just a piece of a protein that's stuck in a monocyte that's causing the monocyte to cause tissue inflammation yeah. or cell inflammation. Cellular inflammation, which can causes an yeah. inflammation. This goes back to what we haven't discussed, but we should mention is something called sickness behavior. Okay. Sickness behavior is what happens when the cell knows that there's something wrong. Um, you know, it's basically fatigue, <laughs> you know, so social isolation, decreased appetite, you know, um, fever, these are all things that your, that your immune system causes when you're ill, okay? It's a, and it actually even happens in single cell organisms. When, a, when an amoeba is infected with a virus or a toxin, okay, it will send off chemicals, which is related to the cell danger response, which we'll 
get to in a while that will signal other bugs to stay, other amoebas to stay away from it. You know, I mean, so that they don't get sick. So they, yeah, there's, there's danger here. Stay away. I mean, this is sort of like, I mean, it's how the system works, you know, I mean, yeah. like, you know, animals do this, we do that, you know, we signal danger and then others, you know, mm-hmm. go away, you know? Um, so anyway, um, these monocytes that have this S1 piece of the spike protein in it, they do not signal to stay away from it. Oh, well, well no, well, the thing is, is that their, their, their job is to, is to signal um, inflammation that, that, that there's danger. I mean, and so when, they, when, they're, when they're on that vascular bed, um, they, they have, the, now normally they are signaling on that vascular bed that there's danger. They usually picked up that signal from the endothelial cell, from the cell. Okay, okay but this time they're showing up <laughs> with this thing already okay. there. And so now they're sending out a false signal in a way. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that causes other immune cells to come and start the, you know, when, you know, once the danger signal goes out, right. When the fire alarm goes off, the fire trucks come, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's happening and, in the, in the vascular lining. So that's why long COVID and even now, like the COVID seems to have switched a little. I didn't mean to turn this into an interview. Like we weren't <laughs> going to talk about that, but yeah. at the beginning it was all, um, Lung. chest it was yeah. all lungs and coughing right. yeah. and then it seemed now or delta at least like before i don't know now it's weird but vascular <laughs> it's more vascular it switched or maybe it was always vascular it was just presenting in the lungs but vascular now is the focus and endothelial damage and things to do with blood circulation and, and clotting and such so it makes sense it's incredible they were able to figure out what you just described so quickly yeah. um well because he was already on it you know, it's the old story. He was, uh, he was, uh, well, he was already looking. He's already he discovered it with a different disease. Exactly. And he, I mean, I'm assuming that's what it was. I don't know for sure, but it makes well, sense. Yeah, that's kind of an advantage. Like the yeah. idea was there already to look for yeah. Yeah. pieces. And he, he was already looking at Lyme that way too, is that he found a glycoprotein. Because, you know, the big question with Lyme is that, you know, chronic, what we call chronic Lyme disease is a whole other, is there's a religious war in, in America and I, all the world actually yeah. over whether chronic Lyme exists or just post Lyme syndrome. And we, that's a whole other talk we can get into, right. but it's that same problem is there are some people who actually have chronic Lyme. If you treat the bug, it will get better. And then there's a lot of people who no, the problem is the immune system is overactivated to uh, something the line either did to the immune system, or as Dr. Patterson and other people think, you know, maybe there's still um, a, a glycoprotein left over from the line that's triggering the system, you know, but because we have these mixed pictures, and again, medicine likes to think in terms of monolithic stories, mm-hmm. you know, there's yeah. one story for everyone. Always has to be this. And it's just not, it's multiple, but getting back to the COVID story, just briefly, the inflammation in the lungs was, yeah, it's always been microemboli from, I mean, like in the beginning of COVID, I felt very alone because I mean, I was in Marin County and we didn't have much COVID here. You know, the first year it was like everybody just took to ground, you know, it was like mm-hmm. they didn't go out of the house. Um, and so we had very little COVID and I felt a little deprived. I felt like I missed 
I wanted to be treating people. <laughs> but now, thankfully, since everybody got bored and started traveling, we've had plenty of COVID. And what I saw early on was if you actually got blood tests on people in that first week, which wasn't being done, you could see inflammation. You could see clotting abnormalities in people who weren't even very sick. I mean, in people who are almost asymptomatic. Okay. And I got um, D dimers on, and they were two or three times normal. Now, D-dimer is not a great test. They don't really jump up and down until it's five times normal, but it's, it shows you that you're clotting and your body's having to break down clot. Okay. And this was in people who had no symptoms. So it kind of makes sense that the people that have the comorbidities that are related to difficulties with that to begin with, or something to do with blood flow or circulation or clotting or like high blood sugar and obesity, like those conditions. It's like they were starting with the bucket mostly full to begin with, or whatever analogy you'd want to use uh, behind the eight ball, like they already were struggling in the area in which the COVID infection tends to cause the most problems. Yeah, yeah, you know, irritate. Yeah, exactly. That, that's so it's like gasoline on a fire they already had. Yeah, versus that, starting a new fire. Right. That that that's the whole thing with the vaccine reactions. Is that you know? I mean, like, you know, uh, it, it's it's if you have a tendency to hypercoagulability or to mast cell activation, you have a higher chance of having a problem. You know, and we want to go down that rabbit hole. I can just say is that vaccines are great if you're older. I um, mean, you know, no question. They save lives. They're worth doing. Okay, don't be foolish. It's not a virus. It's not. It's not just a flu. But if you're 30, eh. <laughs> uh, the, the 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 odds ratio of of what it's going to do for you changes. Anyway, mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's the the great problem of. Uh, okay, we won't go into the public health debates. So it still back. falls under the same category of same thing for everyone. Same yeah, thing exactly, it, it, for exactly. You know, and 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 in public yeah. health, you you can't make the distinctions between individuals, you see, I mean, and and what's wrong with medicine today is that they don't want doctors to use our judgment anymore. You know, they act as though we know it, that everything is- follow the playbook. And you can follow the playbook. And again, we said in the beginning, yeah, you can if it's an acute heart attack, but you know, not such a good idea a week later or the month before when you could have been tailoring your therapy for what that person's problem were because they're different. And so, Anyway, so we have this acute versus chronic. So here we are set up perfectly. Most people who get COVID have minimal to no symptoms. A lot of people have symptoms and most of them do just fine. But, you know, how, what percentage, whether it's 10 or 20% of people are being left with persistent symptoms. I mean, that we still don't know because our data collection is so terrible. Um, And that's because their body responds differently to inflammation, you know, and uh, some number of them are going to have this persistent, this monocyte carrying the spike protein. You know, I don't know if that's in everybody, you know, uh, but it's in a lot yeah, it's of something. It's a factor that's been identified that it's could be contributing to and, chronic inflammatory state. Right. And, and to be fair, and they are trying to, you know, get that test out there. Um, but we can see the pattern in the cytokines. Um, and I said, Dr. Patterson has, uh, has this test in, from in-cell diagnostics, I think it is. And you know, uh, where you can measure about, I think it's 14 cytokines and you can see patterns of inflammation. 
Um, now you can, these patterns are not totally specific to COVID because I've been doing them on a lot of people with long-term illnesses and we see similar patterns. Um, but he has some interesting therapies that I think are really good. But bringing this back to chronic disease is that we have to remember when we're trying to understand chronic illness is to, you have to look at, okay, what are the possible triggers or environmental stressors that I've been exposed to? And um, what are the, um, you know, genetic uh, and environmental tendencies I have? You know, I mean, like if, if you are a person who every time you got a mosquito bite, you know, you, you kind of blew up. Well, you really should look to the mast cell world. There's probably some element of that happening with you. You know, um, if you get a rash every time, you know, uh, you go out in the sun or you get exposed to some stress. Yeah, you're, 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 you're that that part of your immune system is probably a little hyper. You know, if you're somebody who gets uh, recurrent sinus infections or um, you know, recurrent uh, skin infections. Well, you know, maybe your IgGs aren't that good. You know, I mean, that part of your immune system is a little off. Um, you know, there are many hints, but basically when you have chronic illness, you have to be willing to put like all the cards on the table, so to speak, and not, and not decide that um, because my cousin, you know, um, did mercury detox and got better, that that's going to work for me. Now, it's not a bad idea. I mean, but you got to look and see, you know, before you start willy-nilly doing a strong detox, do a gentle detox and see how your body feels. Because if you start to detox and get a lot sicker, your symptoms really flare, well, whoa, you know, so your problem or one of your problems <laughs> is that the detox pathways are not open, you know? And, uh, you know, high on my list there, of course, is glutathione not working well, methylation not working well, um, you know, and there are ways that you can evaluate that before you hurt yourself. You know, if on the other hand, you know, you, you sauna and you, um, you know, take a few binders and, and a few, um, uh, you know, like oral heavy metal binders and you, it feels good and you start to feel better, you can probably be pretty sure that those systems are working. You know, there's always exceptions, but these are just, you know, rules of, rules of thumb. But um, the most important thing is just go slow in whatever, I mean, I, I see so many people hurt themselves because they read on the internet that, you know, um, you know, yeah, you know, fill in the blank of tons of wonderful advice on metal, that's on but, you know, it can be uh, <laughs> it can be any environmental toxin that they think is is their problem. You know, whether it be metals, glyphosate, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. you know, or just uh, or EMFs. You know, because uh, you know, may, I, I, EMF is is to me is is an example of again of a very sensitive system, and that's that's often a beautiful human being. Um, you know, some of them, some of the most, uh, just wonderful people are just, but they come in sensitive. They feel, you know, they see auras. They really, I mean, they, they, they can really sense the world, but that that's a gift, but they have to be a little more careful, 
You know, those are the people who should definitely not live near cell towers or maybe not get the smart meter on their houses, you know, and while other people, you know, it's not good for them, but they can tolerate it. You know, it's a little bit like, uh, you know, like head, like playing soccer, you know, some people can head the ball for like 30 years and, you know, they don't have any problems. Other people do that a few times and they start getting headaches. And if they keep doing it, they might wind up with, um, you know, early dementia when they're 50, you know, it's, we're different. And so anyway, I'm, I'm that's another inconvenient fact that doesn't align with the way that the medical system wants to work. I'd like to briefly interrupt this conversation to let everyone know that we've got a free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit that's available for you right now over at www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations if you'd like a little help organizing and implementing all your learning from this podcast. A gift from our team over at Rebel Health Tribe, producers of this show. And now, back to your episode. not everybody's going to respond to the same factors, the same of contributing to disease. Not everybody's going to respond to the same. Here's your mercury detox. Here's your mercury detox. You're going to feel awesome in a couple of weeks. You're going to feel terrible in 10 days. And that's just the inconvenient truth of the situation. And um, I wanted to bring up, uh, well, we still have a little bit of time. Uh, You'd mentioned Cell danger response a bunch of times. Yeah, we've talked about uh, Bob Navio's work. Uh, it plays. It's it's not a separate thing from what we're talking about with the chronic inflammation and the. You mentioned where the body, the cells, um, try to turn. Uh, they become socially isolated. They slow down. They they do all these different things when they're sick, just like people do or dogs do or single cell amoebas do or whatever. Um, Cell danger response is a term that most people in our audience by now over the last few years has probably heard before. It gets referenced a lot. Yeah, let me give you the, 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 I'll try to be concise. I think the two important components are the cell danger response and mitochondria because in in Dr. Navio's mind, they're kind of one in the same. Um, So, so he, he looks at the cell danger response. He, he's broken down into like three components. Okay. The initial component is uh, the cell has, um, is impacted by something, whether toxin or infection, it doesn't really matter. When that happens, um, the toxin will tie up some molecules. Like if it's like uh, many figure, something like mercury will tie up um, sulfur compounds in the cell. Okay, um, and that will affect what goes into the mitochondria. Uh, if it's a if it's a virus, it will start using um, uh, nucleotides. You know, like uh, some of the, the 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 complex proteins um, for its own to to make more viruses. And so suddenly, the mitochondria are not getting the level of nutrients of NAD of, of NADH that it usually gets. Okay, when it senses that, okay, the the mitochondria immediately stop or slow down the production of ATP. Okay, okay, and what and and it and it it starts taking the ATP and routing it to the cell surface. 
okay, where it acts as a communication molecule and says it's the first signal that there's danger here. Okay, before you start putting antibodies on, you know, antigens on the cell surface, the first thing you do is you put more ATP outside the cell. And that okay. is the cell signal. Okay, uh, there are receptors, there's 17 different receptors for various kinds of uh, purines, which ATP is one of. Anyway, so that's the first thing that happens is you, and that's why you, that's where the fatigue comes in if it's body wide. Okay, because you're, you're no longer making energy very efficiently. But, um, you know, when it's in one cell, it's not making your whole body tired. It can happen just locally. Okay. So at that moment, but so the, the, um, you start, and then oxygen starts to build up in that cell because the mitochondria use up oxygen. Okay. And make water and carbon, you know, um, they, they use the oxygen in the cell to make water and carbon dioxide out of the, um, molecules that get in to the electron transport chain, okay? Um, and so if they stop doing that, the oxygen concentration in the cell goes up and that is oxidative. What people often refer to as oxidative stress, but that's, Bob calls it oxidative shielding because that's a hint to the cell that then you start turning on genes to create pro-inflammatory molecules, okay? Because you're trying to kill stuff in, you know, in using inflammation to um, kill things in the cell. Okay, that are causing a problem. So, um, so that's that first step. The second step in the cell danger response is when you now have taken care of the threat, but you're beginning to rebuild the cell. Okay, you've got to make new cells. You know, you have to call stem cells in. And you have to, and at that point, we the, the mitochondria has switched over to what we call Warburg metabolism, or where it's still using sugar for energy. Okay. Burning, burning sugar directly um, and uh, not using the electron transport chain to make a lot of energy, but it, it's making some. Uh, and during this time, this is what, what you get cell growth. You're getting cells to regrow. Okay. And then in the third step, um, you know, the cells are back to normal, but they now have to re-communicate because in the first step of the cell danger response, you, you, um, your cell membrane stiffens, okay? You shield, you know, cause you don't want that virus to get it. You don't want more things to come in. And you don't want more things to go out. So I hope I haven't confused people, but basically- No, it just puts up a wall, like yeah, a stronger yeah. wall. It already has a wall, but it makes yeah, the wall stronger. The so whatever's causing the problem, if there's more of it outside, it can't get in. And whatever's inside can't get out to get the other cells. Right, exactly. It, right. It's just this, this first step, is you change the cellular metabolism. That's that's the basic step right there. The mitochondria change, and they tell and they send signals to the um, uh, to the genes and the nucleus to change. Because when you change the level of methylation and acetylation, some you know you have less methyl groups and less um, acetyl groups that are floating around or more. They get in, and the histones which are kind of like the start and which control the start and stop signals more or less uh, for DNA reading. Okay. So that's how the mitochondria control the genes. 
okay? That's how the small molecules control genes by usually affecting histones. There's multiple other methods, but that's the main one. Um, and so that just tells you, so you start turning on more, uh, initially you turn on your oxidative genes that create a lot of stress. You know, uh, the, um, and then you start to turn on the antioxidant genes, okay? When everything is working, this is a nice ebb and flow system. You know, the NF-kappa-B, you know, you've got your NRF and then you've got your NF-kappa-B, you know, it, it's, it's like ebb and flow, turn on oxidant stress, and then you get that reciprocal antioxidant um, and that's why, you know, basically most of the herbs we use are actually pro-oxidants, okay? They go in there and they stimulate a little oxidant stress, and then we make antioxidants. You know, exercise is stress. The only exercise that really, you know, you really, if you really want to like make yourself healthy, you need to actually kill a bunch of cells doing it. You know, mm -hmm. if you don't, you don't get very far. You know, the, the, that, that's why, you know, aerobic exercise, I mean, or even, or anaerobic, doesn't matter, but eat, but, you know, you need to push a little bit to, um, to, to really get cell regeneration, you know, um, and that's the cell danger response, basically, is, is that cycle of injure cell, get rid of the injured cells, rebuild, and then get that system to communicate better again. Okay, that third step is really important. Okay, and what happens in aging is we get stuck with cells that are left in the second step where they're kind of growing, but they, they're not really communicating well with the outside world. You know, those are senescent cells. Those are the things that lead to cancer and probably to, to scarring, heart disease, um, probably diabetes, you know, where you have pancreatic cells, you know, or, or uh, other parts of the body where, you know, they're not going back to fully normal, you know? Um, they've been injured by something, whether it's toxin or infection, and they don't complete this cycle. You know, when we injure a cell, it normally goes through this nice cycle. You go in there, there's a little inflammation. If the cell is basically healthy, the inflammation just stimulates that it repairs its inner workings, you know, it, re, it restores its mitochondria, okay? Because, um, you know, as we age, we lose mitochondria. And if we, can, if we can stress the mitochondria to a certain point, they actually will get stronger, okay? Because they'll, they'll um, you'll wind up um, kind of getting rid of uh, old and old stuff. I'm, I'm trying to think of a better analogy for this, but it's like, uh, well, it, it's just like preventive maintenance in, in a house, you know, mm -hmm. if you begin to have some rotting wood. Okay. And you go in there and you take it out and you replace it with new wood. Your house is going to stay strong. If you never, if, if you never stress, if you haven't stressed the house to find that place where the wood is rotted. Okay. Then the rot is all out and you would never know. Right, and it's the same Until thing collapses. Yeah. in the cell in the healthy way of the cell danger response working in everyday life is that when you get it, that's probably why it's good to get exposed to viruses or thing or small amounts of toxins, okay, or exercise because then you stress and then you wind up a weak a weak mito. It's good to kill off the weak mitochondria or or to repair the weakened part of the mitochondria if it doesn't get stressed. 
it doesn't know that it's got a weak spot. Okay. So it's that, I mean, like it, it's, that's why we need stress. That's why we need in low grade infections, you know, that's why we, cause we are, we were designed to interact with this natural world, mm. you know, viruses aren't bad things. I mean, yeah. a big percentage of our DNA is made up of, of retroviral, what we used to think is garbage, but it's information. <laughs> yeah. I just got a kick out of that. Um, I learned about that about 10 years ago, the term junk DNA. And that like most of our DNA is junk. It doesn't do anything. And the first time I was in a master's program in physiology when I got taught that in 2008 at University of South Florida. And I was the only one that started looking around the room and being like, that can't be true. There's no way that that's true. There's no way that 90% of our DNA doesn't do anything. Like it's completely absurd. Who was like, hey, I bet it just doesn't do anything and this is all trash. And then someone else was like, yeah, that's probably it. Like, and then everybody just agreed that that's the th- It's like embarrassing for humanity that that's ever. Sorry, I get agitated with the concept. No, 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 you're it entitled. implies that nature is dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, no, you, you are doing what I think is, is, is what, what people, what smart people have done all through medicine. And I'm not always in that category of smart people because <laughs> instead of, instead, you are just doing that basic of thinking from first principles. And the, one of the first principles is the body doesn't do much unless it's useful, okay? You yeah. know, just like, you know, you don't make stomach acid to cause ulcers. You know, you, you spend a lot of energy to make stomach acid. It probably is important. You know, in that same thing, uh-huh. you don't conserve a whole lot of very expensive real estate called DNA for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it was just absurd. And then it started to come out like, oh, actually, it's this and it's this and it does this. Just like uh, tonsils and appendix and right. all those other things that I was told didn't matter. That was earlier. I think they figured that out. Yeah, but, but they still. When I was a kid, what is this? Oh, it's just an extra part you have. You don't need that. They just cut that out. I'm like, what? What? Really, the body makes parts it doesn't need. Are you guys sure? Like, this is the story. Oh, but anywho, sorry to just take no, no, that into no, a childish no, direction, but no, it's not. But it's it's that important part of like thinking and you know and understanding that this is a process. And you know mm-hmm. when you know just like this concept of oxidative stress, so many people are gulping tons of antioxidants. You know, and it's like very simple. If you take a whole lot of vitamin C before you work out you're not going to build muscles well, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's, you it prevents the breakdown of the older cells of yes. the weaker cells. You want to stress them. You want to mm-hmm. make sure that those weak points are noticed by the body and you get rid of them and then you build new mm-hmm. ones. You know, if you don't stress the system, you don't know where the weak things are. And, you know, I mean, and then, then when you really need them, they're going to fail on you. Okay, I mean, it's just like, um, you know, what they do when they want to make sure a car is going to run well, they drive it hard, you know, because <laughs> sure, any, almost any vehicle you can slap together is going to run fine at five miles an hour on a smooth road, <laughs> you know, but let's see what happens at 80, you know, on a bump, you know, I mean, yeah. when the wheel goes to the side, okay, well, that's what you got to do with your body. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's nice to take to, to live out as a Sunday drive, but if you don't stress it, you're not going to do well and it will be stressed because that's mm-hmm. life. 
You know, mm -hmm. so I mean, I, I, the cell danger response. I feel so bad because uh, I, I, you know, it, it's it's such a beautiful concept, and it has so many pieces to it, and I can never manage to put it eloquently enough so it sounds. I feel like there's clarity because you know it, it it's it's like they say when you when you when you know like when you know something really well you can you can make it simple. <laughs> yeah, it, it's always I, I know the things I can explain clearly and the things I can't, and it. But I understood your, your explanation. I, I it alters the it alters the metabolism. The mitochondria makes less energy. It builds a stronger wall around the outside and it puts out. There's more oxygen than in the cell and around and the that's, cell. That's phase one. That that's that's phase one of the cell danger. That's okay. what you do in that first you know first moments of injury. Now. If you that's where it gets stuck, right? Like it the can get stuck there. It can word. get stuck there, and that okay. that 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 will make a non-healing wound, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. you know, uh, in, in a way. Something like gout is is an example of when you're stuck in CDR1, you 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 can't turn off that uh, that that neutrophil response, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, luckily, most of the time we get pretty well through CDR1. Most of the chronic diseases are more in CDR2 and 3, where we're stuck in half finished. You know, we've, uh, you know, turned off the big noise and now we're rebuilding tissue, but we still have to modulate the rebuilding, you know. And, and the most important part is to reestablish normal communication. Okay, because, you know, like your, your gut, which turns over quickly, you can, you can massacre that lots of times, but brain, you know, you, or, you know, you can't do that that often because in the brain, the architecture, in nerves, the nerves, muscle and endocrine tissue, the architecture of the tissue has a lot of the information you know, um, how each nerve sits one on top of the other and how they, it's not just how they communicate, but their spatial orientation. Uh, that's where, you know, um, repair, repair in those areas are a lot, is a lot trickier. Um, you know, something like the liver is well designed for constant repair, you know, and the intestines uh, and skin. So I survived my 20s. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You can, like that liver. The liver is very that, resilient. <laughs> right, that the liver is amazing. The liver is amazing. Yeah. Uh, the brain is is. I hope the brain is better than we think. I'm working on the brain repair now. I'm I've reached that time. I, I'm I'm thankfully older than I look, and and it's um, it's that time in life when you know you, you really should attend to repair early. That is one of the things I always remind people. I always like to say you get the first 50 years free. You can kind of do what you want, you know, but in all yeah, I started with the brain around 38, so I'm ahead of the curve. I started yeah. to learn a lot of the functional neurology, like neurodegenerative stuff, concussion syndromes. Like I've had a lot of concussions. I used right. to drink a lot. I've had a lot of risk factors for neurodegeneration. So I started the last few years with a lot of brain things. I feel like that's one thing I've gotten right. Yeah, no, and that, that's great because yeah, no, the younger you start, the better your odds are. Uh, many people, mm -hmm. you know, but we the, the a nice thing has shown that when we that, that the body really is more forgiving if than we than, than we knew, you know, mm -hmm. um, it just requires work. And for those of us that you know, the problem with men is denial, 
Yeah. That's yeah. why basically most of the people I see are women. I actually kind of really don't like seeing men because um, they're not really interested until they're half dead or three quarters. And that's, half, yeah, half dead is, audience is mostly women. And uh, people will ask me like, why do you think that is that, you know, because I started this company with a, with a partner, Joe, and we were, you know, in our, I was mid thirties. He was a little older than me, but we're like, early mid thirties guys, we started this health business around health educational things. When we sent out our first survey to like find out who our audience was, our average person was about a 55 year old woman. And we're like, how is that the thing? And he goes, it's cause guys don't do things for their health and they have to be dead before they talk to anybody. And usually it's the wife that's finding out the things to help the husband in the first place before he's even ready to do yeah. the thing. So sorry, guys, uh, you're not very good at this. No, no they're terrible. I mean, but that's that's why we have war, because we all think the bullet's going to hit the other guy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's it's, it's, that so should be a I'm, 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 I, I, I have so many what I call toys, so many interventions, you know, for health. And ask me how many I have used over the last 20 years. And how often it's embarrassing, you know, I, I, I just, I mean, it, it's, it's, I can say I, I, yeah. So I understand men, um, we just think we're immortal and we do not understand, you know, no matter how many of my friends have dropped dead in the middle, you know, I keep that oh, well. <laughs> so, but uh, where did that happen to them? But we've talked a lot about chronic disease, chronic inflammation, how these things can happen with certain types of infections. Also, the cell danger response overview of how that happens and, and what happens with it and, and some of the results of that. Um, and you mentioned, you know, starting slow, starting small, that it's not always the same things for everyone. But uh, with chronic inflammation and chronic disease and, and some of these things in place you know there's no uniform answer to this but like where do people start what are the foundations or basics of that like what would be uh aside well, from the more complex individual things that obviously require some uh investigative work and some looking at case study and history and all of that but there are some things that generally will benefit most people uh, I would guess. And I just want to leave a little yeah. bit of like, oh, but I, you know, the, yeah, the or something. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the simplest thing is, uh, first of all, um, don't give up hope, you know, get some hope. Mm -hmm. Okay, put hope into the equation. Um, yeah. You know, and that's I think I, it was before we went on air, I think. I mentioned that, uh, and it was before we went on air, our right, first yeah. appointment with Dr. Gordon with Mira was the peak of how severe her flare was in 2020 like it was it was pretty bad and his first i'll call it prescription was that he was going to write a note that allowed her to go on leave from work for i think it started at six weeks we ended up doing about three months but it was six weeks and um just the relief and the feeling that someone understood her, because her endocrinologist and rheumatologist, these people had told her that there's no evidence that you taking time off work will help your condition. So they were denying the truth of her reality that she needed to rest. And our first appointment, Dr. Gordon said, you know, we're going to get you out of work for a little while. And, and that was like step one. And she didn't have to work again for a few days. So she hadn't even yet hit the point where she'd had an unscheduled day off. Like she didn't, there'd been no time off. And within two days, her pain level 
was half just from believing that she had somebody who understood and was on her side and to know that the relief was coming that she didn't have to go to work in a couple of days half of her pain like her pain reduced in half with no other interventions and i know some people out there might be rolling their eyes or saying yeah whatever sure i used to be that person and i've now witnessed more things in the last few years with her and with some other work i've done that that's as real as anything else well just, just to emphasize you know the cell danger response is the immune response okay and the immune response is controlled, just like everything in our complex bodies are, by our brains. Okay, now mm -hmm. the people go, eh. well, basically, when you go to sleep at night, okay, within, I forgot how many, within seconds, every cell in your body decreases energy production, you, you know, by like 25%. So this little baby up here, instantly, instantly, you know, controls the immune system. And so when the, you know, and when, you know, and the, it's the deep centers, you know, the limbic system, uh, mm -hmm. the reptilian brain that really is like kind of probably most in charge, but that is modified by the cortex, you know, and again, not perfectly, because if it was perfect, we could all just meditate and heal. And that doesn't work because just one other aside, this is like my, my, my ADD, but I have to remind people, you know, like, I'm not saying that meditation is and relaxation is going to heal everything. Because I mm -hmm. some of the most, some of the most, I mean, like, I always go back to Ramakrishna, who was this great Indian saint in, in the, in the early part of the 1900s. And he died in, at 40 with like terrible throat cancer. And this man lived in Samadhi yeah. at the time. So it's not, doesn't mean you're going to live forever, but it's an important component. It's an, it's, it, it's a, just a, a very, if you can begin to find some way to have hope because you can't, it's very hard to, to relax when you're in conic pain or distress, you know, I mean, doubts, like, yeah. you know it, it's like learning to meditate in the midst of severe pain can be done, but it's like learning how to swim when you're drowning. It doesn't <laughs> usually happen, you know? yeah. but you have to start, but if you can start with hope, okay. If just like when, you know, if you can just begin with that step that you're going to find an answer somewhere and you have to understand that you might not find the answer quickly, you know, um, but hope will allow it. And, you know, and, and you know, I have to, you know, and I've seen a lot of people get better. I've seen a lot of people not. Um, and usually it's because we don't have the answers yet, but the good news of, in chronic illness is that we're learning at a rapidly increasing rate. I mean, I have patients, I, I who I saw in the early 2000s and I just couldn't help. I was doing the wrong thing and, and, and they, but unfortunately they come back. I mean, unfortunately for them because it means they didn't get better, but, and now we can help a lot of them, you know, cause we keep learning. And I think that's the other really hopeful part of this is that despite medicine has gotten worse on some levels, but on other levels, um, the the amount of information and through the internet, which has been crazy but good, we're learning, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we keep finding more pieces because you see, it's these individual pieces and the genetic work 
hasn't given us the answers we wanted. You know, we all had hoped in the early 2000s the genes were going to save us. We were going to get the genes. I remember. And, and it was going the to be human genome project. project was it was going, going to, to save ABC. humanity. It was going to be ABC after that. Well, it hasn't turned out quite that way, but it has shed some light. You know, and, and that's what I want people to understand is that each tool that's out there sheds light. So don't give up. First of all, don't give up hope. And, um, you know, and again, toxins, getting back to toxins. Um, I, in the last five, I've, I've always believed that toxicity was an issue, that the environment was huge. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, I, like many doctors, paid more lip service to it than I did in reality, you know. Um, and about five years ago, I had a, a doctor join us, Dr. Carpia, and she's a naturopath who had done a lot of work, you know, worked briefly with, I worked about a year with Dr. Klinghart and worked with this other mm -hmm. doctor, Dr. Isaac Elias, who um, has done a lot of work with toxicity. And she's kind of like amalgamated and added her own twist to it. But most importantly, I've seen that when she, when people take the time, sometimes a year, even two, to detox, the other and thing, the infections often will take care of themselves, which is funny because I'm a I'm a doctor, calling want to kill guy, you know, <laughs> and, and having to stand back and watch how when we remove the um, the, the the crippling toxins, kind of taking the sand out of the gas tank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the system goes to work. Now it's not to say that everything is toxins. But that's mm. usually an issue. And if you've been sick for a while, it's definitely there. Because, you know, another little story, you know, when you're sick, you don't take, you don't clean the house. Okay. Mm. And when your body is ill, you store a lot of garbage in. That's where a lot of that pain comes because that interstitial spaces, these, these spaces that shouldn't be filled with anything except the little hyaluronic acid and some nice clear stuff gets gunky because your body, you can't process it. Your liver and kidneys aren't, don't have the energy or are poisoned. They're not working as well. And again, they're not gonna show up on your, on, often your tests are gonna be normal. Your liver function tests are designed to find when the liver is, when you're actively killing liver cells above normal, above normal levels. As the ALT, AST markers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th those yeah. things are, you know, they're markers of cell turnover. And, you know, and, and they're probably higher because, you know, they were 25 was the upper limit of normal for those until about 20 years ago. <laughs> and now we, we keep bumping the upper limit of normal up because that's our population, because we're poisoning people with all the fructose you know, and, and, um, and chemicals that we put in, that we put in, you know, we overstress the liver. So it's happening to all of us because those, we just, you know, we just raise the, the normal levels. But anyway, so hope and detox, those are the places to start. I, I mean, after that, you really have to be, I feel, talk to somebody who can really, you know, know the questions. Because if you look on the internet and look at, and look at lists, you can find your symptoms are going to look like anything from MS to chronic Lyme to chronic Oh, I know. When Mira first got sick, I didn't sleep for weeks. Like I was on the internet, her first flare, reading every single thing about every single disease that can cause any kind of pain and everything that you can do for it. And we tried to do all of it at once. Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is that these lists, the body only has so many ways of making noise. You know, you can have chest pain for 10 different, probably for a hundred, but for, you know, 10 different ways, you can cough, 
for a million different reasons. Rashes, I mean, rashes I hate more than anything is because you know, God knows what's causing the rash. You know, often detox, but still, you know, so when you make diagnoses um, by lists on the internet, yeah, you can make a mess. I mean, the reason you go to doctors is not because we, we know so much, it's just because we've seen so much. You know, it's pattern recognition and maybe someday AI will get there. At the moment, it's still not very good because AI is only as good as the information fed into it. And it, it hasn't succeeded yet. The research to do something we don't know how to do. Yeah, well, it, it's supposed to learn. And maybe if we gave it enough real information, it could. But um, at the moment, yeah. Uh, you know, that would require, anyways, another story. I'm sorry. Talking to me. Actually, no, we've done pretty good for two guys with pretty severe ADD on a podcast. <laughs> I think we stayed focused. Um, <laughs> I thought about that earlier because we you've mentioned, uh, and I, this is a very pro ADD world in, in yeah, this podcast good. and in my good, good, place good. because I discovered only a couple years ago, uh, I went through Dr. Gabor Mate's uh, training for therapists and um reading his books was part of our curriculum and one of them is called scattered minds and he talks about the link between childhood trauma and developmental trauma and attention add adhd and it has a checklist in the book uh for adult presentations of add and adhd and it was i was like 28 out of 30 I'm yeah. like i just won this book and i'm like wait that explains so much of my life and now I feel better and I don't feel like I was a slacker. So, but then I thought about that today and you've mentioned it to me before. And I'm like, man, we're going to, we're going to be right here and we're going to stay on track or else we're going to start talking about like 72 really interesting things. And we only did about 15 really interesting things. So yeah, it was good. And we're going to come back. We're going to do it again. And we're going to talk about mold. And that wraps up another episode of the Natural Evolution Podcast. Thanks for listening, and please check out the links in the show notes below to learn more about our guests and grab your free downloadable Foundations of Wellness Starter Kit, which will help you implement what you're learning here and make powerful shifts in your health and your life right away. Just go to www.rebelhealthtribe.com backslash foundations, and you can be started in only a few minutes. If you enjoy the show, please drop a rating, review, or subscribe to stay in the loop with future releases.